0: Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Saber Talk Podcast. This is Mark Geis.
1: And always Josh Eppinger.
0: Josh, how's everything going with you?
1: Uh it's been pretty
0: good. Uh I went over to
1: uh Jamestown Saving Bank Arena today and played some drop in hockey, so it's about the highlight of my week. Uh, how about you? Um,
0: uh, not too much. I haven't haven't been able to play much hockey recently, but uh just working, kind of doing doing the same old thing, nothing too new on my end. I I haven't played in that Jamestown Arena for probably 10 years now.
1: Yeah, we played on the old uh we played on the old ice on the left-hand side, not where the the big arena was. Obviously. And uh I haven't been on that ice in at least 10 years. I, every other time I've been there, it's been on the nicer side. But uh it was fun. We got to play with uh the James I, some of the guys from the Jamestown Express uh junior league there uh just uh you know I think it's a tier 3 for uh juniors but uh some great players you know it's fun uh going out there and uh seeing what some of those kids could do
0: Yeah yeah I'm sure it's pretty quality hockey it's it's pretty incredible anybody Ain't that's exhausting. really <laughs> Pretty incredible anybody that's really playing at any level there's there's always talent out there it makes you appreciate what the professionals do that much more
1: Yeah it's crazy man Well um it's been a uh, it, it's uh been it's been it was a good time but uh this not such a good time for the Sabres uh uh coming up now here. We just uh finished the season and uh we missed we missed a few games uh from uh since the last time we talked, so uh needs to say there's not there hasn't been much to, uh, there's not much to talk about.
0: Yeah, there's not much to talk about in terms of those games at the least. We have a ton to talk about coming into this offseason, so I know that that's probably where we're, where we're going to focus the majority of our time. But we'll go over kind of what happened, where the Sabres finished. It's going to be relevant to the draft. So the Sabres ended up finishing 33-37-12 with 78 points which is fewer than than what they had last year, which anybody coming into the season, if you had said that they were going to get fewer points than the 2015-2016 version, I think they would have said that the season was a colossal failure. And I think probably most Sabres fans would say that this, this season on net was a failure. So they now go in, they finished in fifth last, and with Vegas coming into the league, the Sabres are going to have the sixth, highest odds in the lottery to win one of those top three spots so they actually did pretty well i was i was happy with those last couple regulation losses and i cheered pretty loudly in the final game when tampa scored in regulation to go ahead then they scored that that empty netter and everything kind of broke right with other teams winning so they finished behind F- florida dallas and detroit who were all the teams that were in the mix with them and they could have fi- the sabers could have finished anywhere really from 23rd to 26th and they ended up finishing in 26th so i was at least happy about that and yeah they should be able to get a pretty, pretty good prospect
1: down. yeah um a lot of a lot of offensive uh players out in the draft this year um uh, the top talent the top guys uh looking at the uh, looking at some of the – reading some stuff and uh, about draft prospects. Uh, a lot of offensive guys. Uh, the n- number one uh, guy um, coming out is uh, James Patrick's nef- uh, nephew. Uh, he plays uh, center for – in the OHL. Um, what is it, the Wheat Kings?
0: Yeah, um, he's in the uh, – he's uh, in the WHL. Yeah, for the, the, the Brandon okay. Wheat Kings. Right. Yeah. Okay. And well – yeah, we'll see. They they could potentially win one of those top three spots, and then that, that brings up a pretty interesting discussion. Do they go with Nolan Patrick or Nico Heashier and go with one of the top prospects, or do they try to trade out of that spot and get a defenseman? I think you got to go with the best player available. I'm very much of that, of that line of thinking. But that'll be an interesting discussion if and when it happens. Where they sit at six, I think they're going to have – they may have their choice of any defenseman in the draft, and there are some interesting names out there. So uh, we can talk more about that probably when we know their their draft position. But I thought it was yeah. it was nice that they lost those last those last couple games and and put themselves in a better draft position. Well, watch,
1: watch us uh, watch us win the draft lottery this year after uh, the two monster drafts we just had. So
0: <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> That that would be Buffalo luck because yeah they're saying this yep. draft really, you don't know where the best players really are going to come from out of this entire first round, and this could be one of those drafts where the best players end up being picked in the teens because it, it, there's not a huge drop-off like you have going from McDavid and Eichel to the rest of the draft. You don't really have that same drop-off. You do have a clear-cut top two with Patrick and Heashier, but – Um, it's not anywhere near as, as large of a gap as it has been.
1: Yeah. Um, and just, uh, go back to the last draft. Um, the Sabres, we, we took, um, we took, um, Alexander Nylander, obviously eighth overall last year. And, uh, there was a couple of guys I were on the board still that I liked, uh, being, uh, Chev and uh, And, uh, we uh, we passed on those and took uh, Nylander. Nylander came up and played a few games. Uh, got that start against Toronto. Like I said last week, I said I didn't want to see him get his first start against Toronto, but that's what happened. He he, he had he had some good uh, some good showings, but I tell you what, the kid needs to hit the weight room this summer big time. Uh, he's not afraid to go in those dirty areas. It looked like, but you know if he's noticeably smaller and weaker than everyone else on the ice almost. So what did you think of Alexander Nylander?
0: Yeah, I, I, I pretty much agree with your assessment there. He definitely showed flashes. You can see the skill and why he was highly sought after, but he's not ready. And maybe he has a big offseason. He said that himself in his final interview of the season that he needs to go and have a, have a big offseason. Murray said it in his press conference as well. Uh, but you could see – the talent's there he's going to be an NHL player he's going to put up a lot of points but it's a matter of when is he going to be ready next year to make the team coming out of camp or does he need more time in the AHL and after seeing him I think I'm I'm more leaning toward he should be starting next year in the AHL but you never know what a what a player that age can do in one off season they can make huge progress in one off season
1: yeah yep I uh you know, just just thinking about how how hurt we are on defense, though it it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard for me to go back and think about uh, what these guys have done, and I mean, especially Sergeyev has had a great year with uh, Montreal. Uh, so, but you know, you can't you can't always think that way. Nylander is going to be a good player in this league, but. Uh, it makes it makes you, it makes you question uh, what's gonna go on. You know, they they the Sabers thought they were gonna be all right with bringing Kulikov back, which just with making the trade for Kulikov and and I thought I and mean, I think me and you both were excited for that, but we that obviously backfired and a lot of I think a lot of the struggles that we could put on this team this year was was coming from that back end of the uh, the rink on the defensive side. So
0: yeah, and I hope that if they. I hope that they had a far higher grade on Nylander than they did on Sergachev and Chikrin because going into last offseason still defense was the primary need and I think if there's a tie or close to it you should go with the position of greater need and I was more in the Sergachev camp at the time I liked the Nylander pick because I don't you know I don't think it was a reach by any means and I still think that offense was and is a need but having Sergachev in the system would be really nice he, he puts up points but he he's also physical very good defensively and he had a good preseason the Canadians kept him up for a handful of games and then sent him back and by all reports I think he's had a really good year back with Windsor in the OHL and then Chikrin turned into a quality top four defenseman with Arizona so it, it really would be nice to have one of those two and it's tough when you see Nylander taking a little bit of time to get acclimated to professional hockey and to look back but we'll see we, we yeah we really can't judge this until a few years down the line and who knows how much more progression Sergachev and Chikrin are going to have Chikrin was obviously more physically mature than either of those other two, and that may be a big reason why he was able to step in and play well. Maybe his ultimate upside isn't nearly as high as what Nylander's is. So maybe when we're looking at them both at twenty-three years old, and Nylander's filled out and gotten stronger. Maybe we're maybe we're looking back and we're happy with the decision. So yeah, still a lot of time to to see.
1: Oh, definitely. Um. Uh, so Tim Murray's uh, press conference was yesterday. Uh, another, another thing he, uh, another, uh, point that he touched on was that, um, he, another point that he touched on was that, oh man, sorry, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I just lost my, lost my train of thought.
0: Oh, it's okay. Um, I guess when we're on the topic of young guys and if, if we want to bring up Yeah, okay.
1: I remember Okay. I remember. Now. Okay. Um he uh brought up uh Brennan Gooley. I don't know if that's Okay. Yeah, I was going to I was
0: going to mention Gooley, and yeah. he talked about he named a few names Justin Bailey and Nick Baptiste. I'm not Neelander was one of the ones obviously that he named as well. Yeah, and and yeah. So, we can talk about Gooley. He
1: he said Gooley's going to, you know, bring something that this team desperately needs and I think that anyone that watches the game definitely knows is that second wave of uh, attack, and Gooley, uh can do that. He's been playing in Rochester and looking good as of late. I haven't been watching the games, but I've been reading uh, reports and uh, listening to stuff, and they're saying that ghouli has been looking pretty good down in Rochester these last week. This last week since he uh, showed up from the WHL, and uh, it's it's uh, interesting that they they really want him to be on the team next year. It looks like he's gonna have a spot and especially with this deflated uh defensive core here it looks like we're gonna see Brennan Gooley next year so uh something to be excited about but Murray also said that you know you come up he came up for a small stretch of games and you know that small stretch of games can show you things that you want to see but maybe aren't really there
0: yeah yeah I uh I completely agree with you on Guly and I I was surprised kind of at, at how positively he talked about. And obviously he's a very promising prospect, but he made it sound like he'll be with the team next year and you and I had talked about Guly in the past and I had said you know I think he's going to be going to be given a chance to win a spot, but I wouldn't be penciling him in for anything quite yet. But right now it looks like they expect him to have a big offseason and to go into next year with every chance to make a spot. So I think he does bring another dynamic to the defense. He'd be the best skater on the defense immediately. And he brings some some offensive skill to the table. And I think he's looked good in his limited NHL time. So that's something to be excited about. And we can't put all our eggs in the ghoulie basket or in the Antipan basket and expect two rookies to come in and be the saviors, but I think they can make a difference. And those two maybe combined with a bigger addition, I think we could be going into next season actually being optimistic about the defense for the first time in a long time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree, though. You know, you can't with your what you said, Mark, is with uh, bringing in Gooley and, you know, possibly bringing the kid from Russia there, but we, uh, we're, we that's not enough. We, we're going to have to make another move to bring us uh, to have – Feel better about these defensive uh, teams. Bring in Gouli and uh, how do you pronounce the kid from uh, Russia's name there again? Antipin. Antipin. If uh, you bring in those guys, isn't going to be enough to make you a solid defensive uh, squad there. I mean, you you have Ristaline and Georges and uh, Bogosian and um, and McCabe there, and then you bring those other two guys, and it's that's still not a very good top six or defense. Um, in my opinion, so you would need another big move there. In my, uh, like you said,
0: yeah, yeah, and it'll be interesting to see who that player is, who the target ends up being. I'm, what I'm really hoping is that the expansion draft forces teams to make some tough decisions, and maybe they're more willing to to move a defenseman than they otherwise would be in a normal off season. I know we've we've talked about that ad nauseum, so we probably don't need to discuss that specifically, but. It'll be interesting, and I think Ghoulie coming into Rochester and and looking good, it can make us feel at least a little bit more optimistic about the defense.
1: Yeah, definitely. It just you know the uh the you know teams are gonna have teams are gonna be making moves, like you said, with the expansion. But you know, just because teams are making moves doesn't mean the Sabres are just gonna go out there and get a deal. They're gonna have to move a key piece. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a key piece moved. Uh, to bring in some defenseman at the subtra- to add to that defense, but subtract from the offense.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's where the assets are. They still have a decent, you know, decent number of picks, so picks could be involved too. But the organizational strength is up front, and to get a defenseman, defensemen are a very valuable commodity in the NHL. You're going to have to give up something of value, so it's probably going to be a combination of picks and forwards. Who those forwards are, I don't know. It really depends on who the team is, what kind of player they're they're looking for. So uh that that'll be fun to follow. Probably something you and I will be talking about the most over this summer.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um it it, sh- it should be interesting with uh you, you know, you have you have a few teams out there that are going to have to move guys, but what what's going to be, who knows. It's going to it's going to be uh it's going to be very exciting uh, off season. I'm really excited for it. We got an other thing to be excited for, even though our team isn't in it, is uh, the playoffs. Uh, you have any uh, any uh, favorites to win, Mark? Um, well,
0: I'm I'm pulling. These are the teams I'm pulling for: Capitals in the East and the Wild in the West. I don't necessarily think the Wild are going to come out of the West, but I really yeah. I really do think this could be the year that that Washington does it because. Pittsburgh's coming off a long run, struggling with injuries. Matt Murray just got hurt, too. That's another injury compounding on Latang getting hurt. Uh, And the rest of the East is, there are other strong teams, but yeah, the Bruins have really, you know, really pushed it to the limit down the stretch to make the playoffs. And um, I don't have a ton of confidence in them to. To be a real threat to Washington, so I think this this will be the year that Washington does it. I know I'm not going out going out on a limb making that pick yeah. by any means, but how, how about you?
1: Well, I'm definitely rooting for Washington. I got fifty dollars of Vegas on them for uh, it's one to eight odds. I found out, so I'm good on that. Pretty happy, made that bet in February. Uh, we spoke about it before. And in uh, the West, I I hate to sound just like everyone else, but I think Chicago is gonna. Uh, win the west again i, I don't want to see him win it um a team that i would really like to see win it if I, had to, if I had my choice would be calgary i uh don't know if they can do it i'm really excited to see this ducks uh calgary uh series starting tonight actually um two good teams two teams i like to watch a lot uh i really like the players on each team so i uh i that's probably my favorite series in this first round of playoffs.
0: Yeah, I think uh, that one's definitely up there for me, too. I like I like the forward groups, especially on both those teams. I love watching Anaheim's defense, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've always had a soft spot for Calgary since growing up. I loved Theo Fleury. it's always one of my favorite players. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, always had a soft spot for Calgary. And, yeah, I don't know who I would pick coming out of the West – I, I would love to pick San Jose. I think I had mentioned them before, but yeah. they're coming off a long playoff run too, and Joe yeah. Thornton's status is up in the air.
1: I love I love the fact that they uh they they beat the Oilers last night. I I think the Oilers advancing the playoffs is good for hockey. I think Connor McDavid is very good for hockey. I he's fun to watch. This the Oilers team's fun to watch, but I'm just not ready to give it to him yet alone out.
0: yeah I'm I'm picking San Jose in that series as well uh, I think yeah, Edmonton maybe needs another year or two really continue to have another good offseason imagine another year or two of growth from from Connor McDavid continuing to get better and that's tough to believe he's he's going to get better but I wouldn't be surprised if none of the Canadian teams make it out of the first round of the playoffs they all have tough matchups I picked the American team in all those series i I think Boston's gonna beat Ottawa. I think Washington's gonna beat Toronto. Of course, after picking Washington, I think Anaheim's gonna beat Calgary, and San Jose's gonna beat Edmonton.
1: Yeah, yeah. I uh, and the Rangers over. And the Montreal. Rangers over yeah.
0: Montreal as well. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yep. I uh, I did uh, I picked a hockey, uh, fantasy hockey team for uh, shits and gigs on uh, on uh. Tuesday night, and I ended up picking Carey Price way too high in the fourth round. But you only had one goalie, and you could only pick one goalie, and I was getting nervous. But no one picked Borowski, which is weird. There was eight teams, and no one picked Borowski. So I might make make that trade here if uh, if Columbus can beat Pittsburgh. I was surprised that they Pittsburgh really manhandled them last night.
0: Yeah, yeah, even – despite the injuries that's just a well-oiled machine and goes to show you what having a what having a top player in the league can really do for you really having two, two top players in the league can do for you but i guess yeah almost nobody's picking columbus to come out of the first round so that's probably why Bobrovsky was left out there people figure yeah. there's no chance he's gonna, he's going to be around after the first round
1: well um speaking of uh, top players in the league um we could touch on this real quick. Is um, Tim Murray said in the presser yesterday that uh, after July first, if his agent, if Jack Eichel's agent doesn't call, uh, Murray, Murray's gonna be calling him. Uh, is there an urgency mark to to, uh, to get Jack Eichel signed, or do you think that's uh, do you think that you know? There's a lot of reports, oh, people, Jack Eichel is unhappy, displeasant. He's not going to stay. I hear people whining and crying about it all the time, and I'm reading it on Twitter as well. Um, I Or is this just more of a move to save Murray? I, I don't know. I think you know people are freaking overreacting about Jack Eichel being upset right now. He, the last time he talked to the media it was the day that he found out he missed out on $2 million uh, by that. Decimal point of uh by Leon Dreisaitl, who got two points, uh in the last game to slide in the t- the tenth spot in points per year game where Eichel was currently at so Eichel finished in eleventh so he missed that two, uh two million dollars so I think that has a lot to do with him being upset. Granted he does want to win and he's upset that he's not in playoffs.
0: Yeah I think that's a bigger thing I, I don't think. There's a, there's a danger in Eichel leaving. First of all, the Sabres have him under control for such a long time that he really can't go anywhere else. Uh, but every top pick, really regardless of the situation that they've come into, every top pick that's turned into a top-flight NHL player has signed long-term like that. Mm-hmm. On their on their second contract, in most cases, they have. If not their second, definitely their third. But I can't think of an example of a player like Eichel that's come into the league and hasn't signed for that kind of long-term deal soon after establishing himself like that. So I don't think there's a big danger, especially especially if the team improves next year. I don't know if we'll see it get done in the season necessarily. Uh, I wouldn't blame Jack, though. I mean, I think... You can you can look at it. You're you're buying out. It would be what by an eight year deal. Would be buying out. I believe three years of unrestricted free agency. Uh, but getting eight yeah. mil a year or eight point five nine mil a year, I think. I think that's a pretty fair trade off. So I could see him doing it, but it's uh it's tough to really know. It's tough to know is his demeanor sometimes is a result of the losing. I, I tend to think that's what it is. Or is it that he's not happy? Uh, some people, some people are more in one camp than the other.
1: Yeah, it, it's a, uh, it's, it's been a conversation there, and I, you know, I think people are, uh, I just the people I've talked to uh, at work and and uh, reading stuff online, people are seem to be upset about it and worried and asking me, and I, and I, you know. Like you said, there hasn't been a really example of a kid that gets picked that high, uh, that has a huge future in front of him, a generational player that hasn't stayed where he's been. But uh, you know, people always want to say, "Oh, well, what does Buffalo have to offer?" and Buffalo bashing. So you know, we're not. Uh, we're. It's not like we're not used to hearing that from people.
0: Yeah, and the and the system works in. The Sabres favor it's much different than than football where you, know, you can have a Sammy Watkins where you only have five years of team control so I mean, you pick up that that fifth year player option and then the player can leave of course you have the franchise tag you can kind of maneuver in different ways but here you have you have his rights under control for eight years and yes we, we will have used three of those years up after next year but He's still going to be a saber for a long time, and I think even if maybe he's not ecstatic about being in Buffalo, I think to get an immediate huge payday, he maybe will take some years bought out of unrestricted free agency and go out seven or eight years. Yeah,
1: I think so too, and I I think uh, it'd be a good thing for both sides. Um, now, that being said, what what the reasons Eichel isn't happy? He's they're not winning. Um, you know, obviously, and, uh, we, we need to, uh, we need to make sure that we, uh, have them around and keep them. So one way of that could be is, uh, a lot of people are talking is that they need the fire Biles mode. Now, everyone wants to say a lot of people are going to the, they're jumping on the fire Biles mode train now are saying this because they don't want to lose Jack, but, uh, me and you have had conversations, conversations on this show. About getting rid of a uh, Biles from before, Jack showed too much discomfort with it, this on uh, un, being unhappy about the coach. So, uh, do you think uh, he's gonna be sticking around? I know Murray said in the the press conference yesterday, as of today, he's my coach, and uh, I go meet Terry. I'm gonna go down to Florida next week and talk to Terry Pagula about. We're having a meeting, so I mean Murray's job could be up there be up too. Uh not did not have a very good uh season this year and obviously you saw the result of what happened and like you said in the beginning of the show we we finished lower than we did last year. We we're seventeen points out of playoffs. Bilesma said that we're looking at ninety two points around in the beginning of the season, he said, and uh we got seventy eight. So right? Seventy eight or seventy six yep, seventy eight. So they, the they finish at seventy eight. Um, Rex Ryan said that you know we're gonna win. We're gonna go to the. We're gonna go to uh, the playoffs and uh, never did, and he lost his job. Bilesman made a promise in the beginning of the season this year, and it didn't uphold. Uh, what do you think, Mark? I know you have a strong opinion on the case.
0: Is this thing on? Because it's about to be. Woo! <laughs> the, the the Rex Ryan quote from when he. When he took over, and he had that very, uh, <laughs> a very con- confident yep. press conference, but yes, I think Biosma's gone. I think the way that Murray phrased it and his tone of voice made it seem like that was more likely. You would, you would expect if he was expecting Bylsma to remain around that he would have said something like, a, like I have confidence in our coach, I have confidence in our coaching staff," and he didn't say anything like that. He kind of towed the line and gave a politically correct answer and didn't say much but of course when you don't say much it leads me to believe that he's not going to be here and I think talking about Jack being happy or unhappy I think it's secondary to winning I think it's it's a result of this team losing and I think when you address the coaching issue and when you address some of the other issues and if this team starts to win then the jack issue will fall by the wayside. i think it's completely a result of the losing uh so i think bilesma will be gone i'm happy about that i i do not like his system i don't think he's good at adjusting i don't think he's he's that well liked he falls in love with veteran players that are past their usefulness and you saw that down the stretch is something i want to talk about at some point whether or not it's now but the sabers bring in cj smith they sign him they bring up Nylander. and how many of those final games did Nick Delorier end up playing in when he's not he should not be a part of this team's future if if they expect to make the playoffs next year, DeLaurier should not be on the NHL roster. But things like that, like siding Ennis with too. Yeah, yeah, and Ennis
1: Ennis got a lot of playing time. He did. And and what what more do you need to see from the guy?
0: Yeah. It should be all about evaluation. My, my biggest issue, probably even bigger than than all that, is refusing to play Sam Reinhardt at center. And I've been saying that on the podcast for weeks, once this team was out of the playoff race especially. I'd wanted it before that, but Reinhardt's the center. And that's the time to do it. That's the time to see, does he have what it takes and who does he mesh with on the wing? And that would have been the time to do it, but I think they blew a, a great opportunity. So all those things come together. To lead me to, I don't think Bilesm is a good NHL coach, and uh, he's not going to be. A, uh, he's not going to be the guy that takes his team to the promised land. I think we can pretty much all agree on that.
1: Yeah, and you know, discomfort from their players is just you know. I I want a coach that is interacts with our players and hangs out with them. Murray, um, you know, gets to know them. And how do you understand someone by just watching them play when? You know you got to know what they're comfortable with you can't just go out and expect something with them if if um if marcus felino is happy you know it doesn't like playing uh with jack and sam and you keep on sticking them out there and there's the chemistry is not good I'm not saying that he kept on doing that but i'm just using it as an example um, he did play you know, Fellino
0: with Eichel way too much. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So that, that's where I kind of went with, with that. But they they need to uh, they need the, he needs to be personal of his players. I mean, Murray said he'd spend three four hours of a day preparing, watching other teams' film, so he knew what they expect from another team. And Murray said he had a problem with it because there's not enough in-house. He Mur- Bilesma wants to worry about the opponent, and instead of worrying about the opponent, go in there and spend time with your guys. You know, hockey, being in a locker room, and Mark and I both know this from playing, is is a pretty special bond. Uh, It's it's a brotherhood. It's about, you know, about one of the best things you can have. It's very close to family, if not family. And um, being in that locker room is a big thing, and when you're the head of the locker room, being the head coach and you don't socialize with your players and be be one of them how are you going to have a good team if if my father didn't come and hang out with us and spend time with us growing up but you know what what what's going to happen that's a, a dysfunctional family right there and this is a dysfunctional ho- dysfunctional hockey team and maybe that's a a, a part of Dan's Biles mode that uh, we need to get – or another reason that we need to get rid of him. Not just – just not the system, not just the scheme, but his, how he interacts with his players. I know that Phil – Phil uh, not Phil Kessel, again, uh, Malkin and Sidney Crosby weren't a big fan of the guys. And I know a lot of players don't like coaches. Like, everyone has bitched that's played for Mike Babcock's bitched about him, but the guy knows how to win hockey games, so –
0: Yeah. And I, and I think that's the, that's the fundamental point there is every coach has their style. And I think oftentimes for a younger team, it's better to have the kind of coach that you're talking about. Somebody that can be more, you can never be exactly one of the guys, but somebody that's closer to their players. Uh, But you've had guys on both ends of the spectrum be very successful. And I, I just watched the the Joe Lewis Arena, the final game there for the Detroit Red Wings. They had Scotty Bowman speaking there, and he's one of the famous examples of being a coach that nobody liked because he rode his players, and uh, but he got results. He knew what he was doing, and players bought in because they could see the results. And then you have somebody at the other other end of the spectrum. And I just read an article about Joe Madden, so I'm not a not a hockey coach, but a baseball manager, and. It was Ben Zobris talking about how different Madden is from other managers because he's like he's one of the guys and a, and a young player comes up and he, imme- he immediately treats him like everybody else and how just how different that was from everything else. You can have guys at both ends of the spectrum that can be successful. I don't necessarily know what style will be better here, but I think if you have somebody that comes in and brings a system – the system matters, but but getting players to buy in is even more important. And I think where Bilesma failed even more than his poor system was he didn't get people to buy in. And whether you get him buying in by coming in and being a very winning coach and by garnering your players' respect right away, or um, whether it's by coming in, it could be a young guy that nobody really knows much about, but he comes in and players immediately can see how much he knows and cares. I don't really know how that ends up happening, but it's all about results, really. Yeah. So I don't know who's the best, who's the best kind of coach for this team.
1: No, I don't know. It, it's, it, it's, it's tough. We don't, we're, we don't spend time with these guys. We don't, we don't know. We just, we're, we're fans of the game and we uh, take it seriously. Uh, you know, we used to play, but it's, it's, uh, you know, if, if there's a problem with, if you lost a locker room, like, I, like Bilesma obviously has you, you gotta go you, you can't stay here the the system isn't working you know uh Murray said himself he doesn't want to be a chip and chase team on the press conference he wants to be a puck possession team and uh hold and uh hold and be able to move in the in the offensive zone and this hasn't biosma system hasn't worked nothing the the wheels are really literally spinning off the biosma train as we speak hopefully
0: yeah yeah I think I don't really see another way that this that this ends up though this team has been unpredictable in the past so you can't say anything's a foregone conclusion but uh the comments made by Reinhardt it was surprising to see that I forget exactly what he said it was similar to um it was in the same vein as Eichel saying that a lot of guys are just happy to in the league that wasn't exactly what reinhardt said um i i I wish i had the exact quote in front of me but he also voiced displeasure at the culture and how guys weren't buying in and that effort is an issue Um, and all those things are are concerning to see this is year two of dan bilesma this is a guy that's been around and he needs to be getting results this is a results-oriented league. Professional professional sports are results-oriented. You don't you don't no longer have four or five years to implement your program, and if you're not getting any returns by the end of year two, I think it's time to go.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, it's funny though you brought up Reinhardt. Um, we have uh, since we have since the last time we talked, he. Uh, and most fans know, you know, he sat an entire game on the bench because uh, there was uh, someone someone was injured and couldn't play, but he was late to a, a meeting that was uh, – the, the Sabres made a rule, and I guess it actually came from uh, – the GM, uh, Murray, there, said that uh, if you're late to a meeting, you're not going to play. And Reinhardt was five minutes late. Uh, they had to dress him, and they sat him on the bench uh, probably – not the best time to make that move. Uh, if you weren't enforcing it all year, why would you wait till the last five games of the season? Is kind of my thought.
0: Well, I wonder why they still dressed him. You don't have to dress. You don't have to dress twenty people. You don't have to dress eighteen skaters. I, teams have teams have dressed fewer than that when they've had cap issues before. I know L A has been forced to do it in the past. Um, so I don't. That was my only issue with it. Why do you dress the guy and have him? you know, watch it in his gear from the bench. But I don't have a problem with disciplining someone. If, if you've made a rule and the players have been made aware of it and a, a guy screws up, he's going to pay the price. And if you treat a certain guy differently because it's Sam Reinhardt and it's one of your more important players, then I think you're setting a bad example there. So I don't really have a problem with disciplining Reinhardt at all. And some people went to the other extreme of the issue and, you know, were trying to call the – the the whole regime, the whole Murray Bilesma regime, authoritarian, and that this was so uh, far over the top. And I think, I think that's going way too far the other direction.
1: the the way i The way I look at it, though, is that they've been pretty soft on the on them, and you know they've been lenient with what's going on. You don't do, you don't go and change that with five games left in the season. You don't make that rule of five games left in the season. You already just played. You just played seventy eight games, uh, seventy seven games, and now you're gonna change a rule. Like I, I want it to be consistent, and I don't want to. I, I'm all for holding players accountable. That being said, but don't, don't change the, uh, don't change the rule with five games left this season, and try to act like, oh, you know, we, we're, we're gonna buckle down on these guys now. Buckle down on them earlier.
0: Yeah, and it did seem like. Bilesma especially was trying to prove a point I don't really know what point he was trying to prove throughout the, the end of the season whether it's trying to audition for another job that look I'm tough on these young players and I was trying to get results I was trying to do whatever I could you know I benched I was willing to bench Jack Eichel for shifts at a time and uh, now I can bench, I bench Sam Reinhart for an entire game so I think that may have played into it a bit why they all of a sudden got tougher on it but even then, I don't think it's a. I don't think it's as big of an issue as people made it out to be. Uh, I don't think it's going to have lasting effects, and that Reinhardt's being, you know, that they're that they were trying to send a message to Reinhardt in particular. I think it was more an issue with Bilesma. Maybe Murray Murray was involved as well, but I think it more stemmed from Bilesma.
1: Well, with Reinhardt too. Um, and I and I only know this because I I heard it from Paul Hamilton earlier today. On uh, WGR, he, uh, Reinhardt, last year, after every practice, did the Ryan O'Reilly after-practice-practice practice, and work on shooting and stuff from the net. Uh, Reinhardt didn't do that more than a handful of times before he got, before the, this whole issue came up with him being late to the meeting, and then he was at every single one. So, I, I sometimes wonder if, when Jack Eichel said, there's guys just happy to be here, and you... Uh, And you mentioned that Reinhardt said something, too, and you couldn't figure out the quote. I wonder how much Reinhardt, if he's content with just being up here right now. You know, he had a great season last year. He had a good season this year. He had more points, less goals, more assists. But it just makes you think a little bit, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think maybe it was the – part of it was the sophomore slump too. There's there's a reason why there's a term for it and it does have in your rookie season I think you're you're running on adrenaline so much you're you're just so happy to be in the league that it flies by and then all of a sudden teams start to adjust to you the league knows more about you in your sophomore season and you can't run on pure adrenaline anymore so I think he I don't know if complacency is the right word but I think just hitting that hitting that sophomore slump I think that very well may have happened to him and most guys rebound from that and maybe that was the wake-up call that he needed. Maybe Bilesma made the right call not playing him in that game and maybe he's gonna be working that much hard this summer to show, okay, my third year in the league playing for a contract too. His contract's up at the end of next year. Uh, now I'm gonna come out and I'm gonna, I'm gonna really become the player that I know I can be. So it it's gonna be a big season for him and I hope, like I said before, that He's doing it at center, and they're not trying to continue to, to keep him on the wing. But we'll see about that.
1: Yeah. What do you think, uh, hypothetically, Mark? Let's just say, would you be all right with moving moving Reinhardt for uh, a top ten, uh, you know, a number two, number one guy, a number two guy on your defense end?
0: Uh, completely depends on who the defenseman is. Uh, I'm pretty hesitant to move Reinhardt, especially. When we really haven't seen him at center yet, haven't seen him at center much, and I think that he is one of those guys that that will take off at some point here. So I think we'd be dealing him not at its not at his lowest point, but it wouldn't be dealing him at the most opportune time. But it depends on who the player is. I can't say that anybody's let's say, say really
1: let's say let's say let's uh, say a top left-handed defenseman under the age of twenty-two.
0: Maybe I mean it depends on what the definition of of top is.
1: Top is uh you know say uh you know thirty point we'll say 20, thirty point defen- responsible defensive uh, player 30, uh, 30 point player though in the season.
0: Maybe um, I'd still be hesitant to do it. I I think I would want a, a real top defenseman yeah. if I'm moving Reinhardt in a deal and I I want to make sure that it's that it's a complete stud you know more closer to a number one defenseman than a number two defenseman
1: yeah it just you know like like we said earlier and we don't have to get too into it but there you know some one one of these pieces have to be moved to bring into defensive talent and I don't I don't know if it's Kane I don't know if it's Reinhardt, if it's if it's a if it's a top five pick that we possess maybe this year. I don't know, but something needs I, something has to be done, for sure. And uh, you know the thing about Kane is he's going to demand a lot of money, so that that player isn't it, it's hard to move. You know it's going to be hard to move this offseason if they're trying to deal Kane. I think.
0: Yeah, I don't think he has a a ton of value, Kane. But imagine if you go out and you you trade Sam Reinhardt, and we still don't really know much about Kyle Oposo. Is he going to be ready for next year what's what's his whole situation and yeah, then very true. you could lose Kane the next off season, and all of a sudden what do you have up front you've got Eichel O'Reilly and you know a bunch of young guys who maybe will emerge but maybe not I, I, I can't imagine really winning it winning too much up front with with that kind of forward lineup so I agree with you that I think some piece is going to move. I think Kane makes more sense, even though Reinhardt obviously has a lot more value. But it's amazing how many people were saying, I just saw some some responses on Twitter to, I don't know if it was a Sabres post or if it might have been Mike Harrington or somebody, one of the Buffalo media members possibly, and the majority of people were saying, like, Reinhardt's weak. Trade trade Reinhardt, keep Kane. Kane is what we need. Kane, big, strong fast winger that's that's what the sabers need and i don't think these people are looking at the contract situations or anything but i was pretty surprised by that think about how many people would have been saying that at the beginning of the year
1: yeah yeah i you know and i you know we might this might be a point where we disagree because i actually kind of what you're saying there i kind of am feeling that way right now uh about about the whole situation is reinhardt's a really good player and we don't know exactly what we have with them, but if he can bring in a a, a good defenseman, the play of Ristolainen, that can swallow up minutes and be here for years to come. I I'd be very tempted. I'd be very tempted, and I don't think Kane brings it. I don't think Kane. Maybe maybe Kane and uh, and uh, a Bailey or Kane and uh, uh, someone else. You know, a a younger uh, another prospect. You know, might be able to bring in a guy, but I don't. I, I just don't. I don't see it.
0: Yeah, I agree that I don't think Kane's gonna bring in. K- Kane can't bring a number two defenseman or anything, a, a top pairing defenseman by any means. But I think we're comparing apples and oranges. And I agree that if we had Evander Kane and Sam Reinhart, they're the same age, same contract situation. I'm going to pick Kane. But you're a year away from losing Kane for nothing. Reinhart, you have team control over for another five years. Like you just said, we we still don't know what he's going to be, and I think he, there's still quite a bit of upside there. I think it would be foolhardy unless you unless you do get locked Kane uh, locked up to a to a team friendly deal possibly, then maybe you could start considering it. But uh, I'm just very very hesitant to to move Reinhardt.
1: Yeah. Well, I hope I eat my words in all honesty too, but you know, it's just, you just never know. There's so much uncertainty with what's going on. It's, there's a lot to, there's, there's so much to, to think about and guys like me and you sit around and think about it, about, it can about drive you crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's not an easy decision in either direction because like you've made the point, it makes, it makes it far more difficult to acquire a top flight defenseman if you're not dangling a top asset like Reinhardt and you know maybe there isn't a number 2 defenseman that they can get with the other assets that they have so maybe you're going to be forced into paying or playing a number 3 or number 4 next to Ristolainen. and you have to you have to look at it is it worth the trade offs or or is it not and I, and I don't know I don't know what players are going to be out there what the prices are going to look like Is every offseason the prices for defensemen fluctuate last offseason they were quite high for defensemen, so we'll see what they are this offseason.
1: Yeah. I just, you know, you look at the teams in the playoffs right now, and they all have good defense. I mean, what makes Minnesota so good? They have probably the best defense, uh, group of defensemen in, on a team in the league, you know. Um, there's, a there's, you know, just, you know, the, the game has gone speed, fast, but, you know, that's why... You know, having a solid core defenseman can really get you go, get you in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, and I think I think that's definitely true. I think also every strong playoff team is very strong down the middle as well. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, you know, uh, Sam Reinhardt in his prime playing down the middle will also be very instrumental to a long playoff run. Though I know that when you when you think about it, you also have Eichel and O'Reilly, maybe that's why some people. Sort of think maybe Reinhardt's a bit expendable, but yeah. Um,
1: well, it's a, uh, it's it's a little unfortunate. I was I think both of us were waiting, hopefully hoping we we're hoping that Wednesday, we talked uh, before Wednesday, and I think both of us were hoping that Biosmo was going to be announced that Biosmo was going to get fired on Wednesday, uh, before, uh, the Tim Murray presser. But uh, we have to wait another week for that. But uh, there's been some other firings around the league. Um, Lindy Ruff, our uh, golden boy there from for seventeen years, has uh been fired. Uh, they uh, the LA Kings fired uh, Daryl Sutter there. Um, the, um, Florida fired their coach. Can't remember the Panthers. I Bro. can't remember. Uh, yep. Yep. Um, and uh, so. There's uh, been some coaching changes. Uh, the Sabres aren't part of it yet, and uh, maybe, hopefully they're not missing out on looking at some of these guys. The Stars brought Hitchcock back. Uh, a big popular response was bring Lindy back after he got fired. I think that was mostly uneducated fans.
0: Yeah, uh, that's been classic not, the Classic Sabres organization yeah. in recent history, bringing back old names, really the Bills too. I mean, bringing back Marv Levy as general manager and <laughs> – yeah and then the Sabres bringing in Pat Lafontaine to be in the front office and bringing back Ted Nolan to be head coach. I think Lindy's had a shot and I like the guy. I wish him the best, but it it would not be the right move.
1: It would be you you would it would be about one of the worst <laughs> coaching moves you can make. Lindy's a tough guy. He's not going to get along with a these this young team, it's just not right. I like you said, we like Lindy, but not here, not now. Stop beating the dead horse, Buffalo fans. You know, we might as well draft Chad Kelly in the second round too, even though he's getting surgery on his wrist.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think that's probably it probably happens with with fans everywhere. Of course, we don't really have the perspective of being close with fans in other in other fan bases, so. Maybe that's the case everywhere, but they see a name that they recognize. That that happened in politics, too. I think politics is that way, too. You know, it's something that everybody gets involved in, and they they vote for the biggest names. Who were the biggest names in the presidential race this year? Trump and Clinton, yeah. and they were the ones that got nominated, and Trump won because of his name value. And you're, right, so- you're,
1: absolutely, you're absolutely right, Mark. <laughs> oh, you, you know, and if it's not – if it's not a big name we bring in you know the big name we bring we keep the same last name by bringing in a brother or a son or something fu- freaking stupid like that oh know? yeah it's inherit. it's inherited you know you got it in your end you know it, it. and that and you know politics and sports i mean i can't tell you how many people were like oh you know, state, the bills need to you know look at you know Chad kelly Chad kelly's a pretty athletic dude but he's not even gonna get drafted in the draft anymore you know and that's a whole different topic and a whole different time
0: but yeah that's the same Um, it's the same kind of thing and bills fans and sabers fans too bills fans more so though are so attached to those super bowl teams that they just are willing to grasp at anything to be connected to to those teams and the sabers under lindy ruff had more lean years than not but they still do remember the 99 team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals and the, the President's Trophy team in 6 07, and that 5 06 team that everybody fell in love with. So I think they're just being a little bit nostalgic and hoping for some connection there. Because I've seen people also talking about Jay McKee. They'd love for Jay McKee to be involved in the next coaching staff. I don't think it would be his head coach necessarily, but bringing Jay McKee as an assistant. That's the same kind of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I did love when he he made that shot to beat the Oilers in the playoffs. So that was.
0: Jay nice. McKee's one of my favorite Sabers of all time. So, uh, yeah. I would, you know. <laughs>
1: Mark has a big old grin on his face right now for the. I'm not gonna
0: buy into the nostalgia thing though, and say, I want Jay McKee as the next head coach. <laughs> all right.
1: Well, so I I was out, you know, having a few uh, a few adult beverages last night. Um, you know playoff hockey started, so I, you know, I was hanging down at the American Legion watching some games, do- drinking dollar Bushlight light cans, can't beat it, and uh, a friend of mine, who's a um, Sabres fan, um, huge Erie Otters fan, Erie Otters are in playoffs right now, and uh, he's telling me that the Otters coach uh, there, who's been there for uh, five, six years, seven years, something like that, uh, that uh, NHL teams have been interested in him. Uh, Chris, uh, not I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, Knobloch. Knobloch. Noblock, uh, Yeah. Knobloch. yeah. Um, is this a is this a guy uh, that you maybe uh, would be interested in bringing in, Mark?
0: Uh possibly. I would I would like to see some junior some junior coaches be in the mix. I think they've really turned that program around quite a bit. Obviously, having Connor McDavid is a big reason why, but the Erie were perpetually terrible and knobloch has been part of that, part of that group that has brought them back to respectability. And even with McDavid leaving, they've continued to be good. So I'd like that. I don't, I don't know much about his, his system or anything. Um, I know he's a, he's a name that is thrown out there sometimes, but, uh, I would certainly like to see a couple junior coaches in the mix.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know he's uh he's done he's he's done a lot of work in juniors too before with the you know before he uh, coached took the otters job uh it's played uh he's played a lot and you know and he does have some you know Ryan Strom still I mean Dylan Strom still down there um who you know man I feel bad for the Coyotes for that pick because I guess he's he doesn't even want to get physical in the OHL down there. Is what I've been hearing from fans that go to the games, and uh, you got uh, uh, down there, who's property of the 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 Chicago Blackhawks, who's actually been an absolute stud for them, uh, and and uh, for the for the Otters for the Otters this year, and uh, so it's not like he hasn't had talent, but uh, a guy that's worked with Connor McDavid would be. A great idea to bring in for another guy for a guy to co- help Jack out. I mean, he's obviously, you know, McDavid was gonna be awesome no matter where he went, but you know, we, we I I am more in favor of bringing in uh, uh, a uh, OHL coach or a develop more of a developmental coach than bringing in a guy like Suter who's kind of old and you know out of the old and with the new and i want to bring in a new guy i'm not maybe a college coach but that hasn't worked out very often in the nhl I'm not saying they couldn't
0: yeah yeah the, the issue is and that's why i hate that they went they did what we were just talking about one with the biggest name dan Bilesma, that was still available and i wish that they had gone with more of a developmental coach at that point in time and th- that's not what Bilesma was known for obviously we've seen why he hasn't been known as being a a coach that favors young players or that's great for young players or anything like that. Uh, I would have liked to see that junior hire at that point in time. And then you, that guy is, is your coach for a few years. And then if you need somebody to get over the hump, that's when you go out and you get a Daryl Sutter type. And that's, yeah. that's what the Kings did. They had uh, Terry Murray was their head coach and they ended up, firing him and and getting Daryl Sutter and Sutter pushed him over the hump but I feel like the Sabres have kind of lost a year and now we're talking about getting a developmental coach again when really what we had been hoping for was that the 2017-2018 season would be the year when maybe they need that bump and maybe they go out and try to look for somebody like a Daryl Sutter but now I feel like the the, the team isn't ready for that and with all the other vacancies out there would this be the place where a guy like Sutter would want to go? And I don't know if he would.
1: Yeah, yeah. It like like I said, um, the things that I that you know really bothered me listening to Murray talk about Bilesma and the players and stuff. I I don't know, I don't know Sutter that well. He's he's won two championships. Uh, he's been a a highly a highly uh a very successful coach in the league, but I'm not sure the Sabres are ready for that still. And uh I think I, I wanna bring in someone young who can who can uh get along with this group of guys. I, I, I know that you weren't into the idea of Quinn from uh from B U but uh but uh I mean I'm still kinda I I I am entertained by the idea of it. Uh, I know I don't want to just bring him in here for uh, for Jack, and that and I don't think that would be the situation. I, you know, and that's a lot of Buffalo fans are very are like, oh yeah, let's bring him in. Jack likes him. Well, Jack only spent a year with him. But BU's had a good program. He hasn't been there all that long. When you're talking college hockey guys, uh, Pittsburgh's coach there. He coached for uh, North Dakota. Right, uh, Philly's coach Haxtell. Yeah, th- th- that's yeah. what I meant to say. Philly. Yeah. Did I say what did I say? Detroit, it's Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh, Pittsburgh. My bad. Uh, yeah, he, you're the right uh, state. He, yeah, he uh he he uh he coached there, and you know look at Philly. I mean they they are the first team in like how long to win ten games in a row and not make playoffs this year.
0: Yeah, it's, pretty pretty uh, big collapse.
1: Yeah. Um, so I don't know, but the, the, there has to be viable options out there, definitely better options than Dan Bylsma.
0: Yeah yeah and I, but I, I think if we're looking at the college hockey run, I think there are other candidates that I like more. I think uh, okay. Jim Montgomery is somebody's gonna be highly sought after the Denver head oh, coach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he'd probably he's probably the top top of the list for most people. Also uh, Minnesota Duluth not too far here. And this is another guy that he's originally from University of North Dakota, but their coach, uh, Sandalin, Scott San- Sandlin, okay. he could okay. be highly sought after too. They've done a really good job turning into a perpetual powerhouse really when they're not, you know, they were always the the little brother to the University of Minnesota and now their program has been better in recent history. So, um, so, there are a lot of options out there. I think the college route is becoming more and more of a viable option. Haxtel, I think, has done a good job in Philly. Yes, they collapsed this year, but they made the playoffs last year. It's kind of I think they they exceeded their talent level a year ago. But I think he's done a pretty good job there. And college hockey, that the quality of play is getting better and better each year, and you're seeing these undrafted free agents be. Readier and readier to be able to step into the NHL, so I think the quality of play there is getting better, and the quality of coaching is getting that much better too. So I hope it's an option at least.
1: Yeah, definitely. I. Um, uh, speaking of college hockey, um, Cal Peterson's uh, season came to an end in in uh, Notre Dame in the Final Four. Um, Murray said that you know he talks to Peterson every. Peterson or his agent every day. Uh, the presser, um, a good point that uh, I keep on bringing up. Paul Hamilton, but he brought it up, and I didn't think about it till then. Is that he might not wanna come and play pro next year because of the fact that he could he would be the starting goaltender in the Olympics if the NHL doesn't go to the Olympics. Um, um, something to think about there. Uh, I would. Love to play for the Olympics. It's the highest, you know, the highest stage in the world, really. And uh, it's, it's 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 a shame that uh, Gary Bettman and company can't come to terms and figure this thing out. They don't want to take it away from the NHL season, but I love watching international hockey, and the Olympics are the the are the are the blue the blue ribbon for that. So. I'm hoping that something can be resolved but it doesn't look good.
0: Yeah I, I'm not expecting it. I'm holding out hope that they do because I think it is I think it is great for the game of hockey Obviously Olympics is great for the game of hockey and of course what's good for the game of hockey isn't always necessarily great for the NHL so I think they're weighing in and the extra revenue from being able to play a full 82 games and to not have the two plus week break. They're, they're weighing it that that's better for us than the Olympics, but I think when you're the top league in a given sport, sometimes you have to try to do what's best for the sport as a whole, and I think ultimately it does help your league, though it may not pay immediate dividends necessarily, but not having the NHL players there would really, really dilute the, the quality of the game, and it would not be nearly as fun yeah. to watch as it yeah. is seeing the best players in the world there.
1: Yeah, we got to see Jack Eichel play for Team USA in the Olympics. We have to.
0: Yeah, the te- and the team just, USA, I, we'd I, I, we'd love to see Eichel, and you'd have Austin Matthews coming in too. Uh, that yeah. that would be the best group up front Team USA has had in our entire lifetimes.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I I'm so pu- I was so pumped up for it, and I I can't believe that. Well, I do believe it, but th- they have to figure something out. You know. You know, Ovechkin's already said before they even got this far that he he's going to play no matter what. And what do you do in a situation like that? You 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 you're, you're not if you the owner of the Washington Capitals, you want him there, but you're not going to tell the best goal scorer in and in, and in hockey in the world to not do what he wants to do and represent his country, which he's very proud of.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think probably more and more players will do it. And I don't know, maybe they all end up letting their top players go over and play anyways. All the owners end up doing that. They figure it's best for our players' morale to let them go. And uh, then
1: what does the NHL do then, you know?
0: Yeah, and I don't know what their recourse could be because c- can the NHL step in or is it the team's prerogative to issue a suspension or to find their players? I'm not really sure. I haven't looked into the issue enough to be able to speak to it with any sort of you know, any sort of confidence. My,
1: yeah, well, my, fir- my first thought is that the team can let him go and the NHL could punish the team, maybe not the player. Hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, may, maybe it's the team and the player. I don't know. But it's it's definitely a, a big issue and I, it, it's something I have a big problem with.
0: Yeah, it's not good for the game, not good for us as hockey fans and I think the NHL has just done a horrible job in so many aspects of marketing the game. And you look at, this is one one example that I like to point to, you look at the expansion draft and you imagine any other sport would have been billing that immediately from when it was planned as this huge event. And we're going to televise it. We're going to make it into an all afternoon thing or, you know, I don't know how long you could make it, but you could actually have it based in Vegas and, yeah, have an event where, I don't know, I'm not a marketing person. So there there's a lot of potential there. I would have
1: watched it. I would have watched it. I, yeah. I, I know lots of people that would. Any serious hockey fan would. Just like the freaking the, the, the draft lottery showings. It's the worst 30 minutes you can freaking sit there and watch. It's so you sterile. Sit there and, oh, it's terrible. And then they just pull out that freaking card that has Edmonton, the gold card of Edmonton Oilers, number one on there. And uh, grew up watching Connor McDavid. Well, you you watch Connor McDavid grow up and play in an Erie. Uh, yeah, okay. and That's then and then that. he looked oh, no. he looked
0: thrilled too. He really added to the to the enthusiasm of the whole event, right? When McDavid, they showed him. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, <that> was, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, um, with uh, with that being said, though but back to to my original point before i got uh before i started running my mouth is that why would peterson want to come play in the AHL when he could go play another year for Notre Dame and be the goaltender for USA uh the i mean it, it, it's a no brainer really if you think about it
0: well it's up to him if he wants to lock in that money or not and yeah i guess I don't know what I would do in that situation. You never know when you could you could suffer a major injury and maybe not get offered a contract. So I, I don't know what his family's financial situation is like either. Like they always said, and this is what ended up happening, that Hudson Fashing's family was pretty poor. And that was a reason why he signed so early rather than staying in school longer, uh, that he was eager to sign because getting that money up front was very important to him locking in. That salary, uh, maybe for Peterson it's not that important. Maybe he's willing to take the risk and wait a year, and uh, I wouldn't blame him, certainly. Notre Dame should be a contender next year, too. Should be a very good team again. Yeah. and they did
1: un- unfinished business in the Frozen Four.
0: Yep, yep. And um, they were certainly a step below the powerhouse teams that made it there. <laughs> two, yeah. The teams led by two coaches that I mentioned before, Specifically among them, but uh, I think they would be very good. And yeah, being able to play in the Olympics is a one-time, one-time event, once-in-a-lifetime event, because you never know the NHL could change its mind, and then it's very difficult to be one of the top three goalies in your country, which is what you would have to be to be named to Team USA if all the NHL players were playing. So maybe he never gets that shot again.
1: So um, what? What did you think about – I know we touched on this earlier, Mark. Uh, What did you think about uh, C.J. Smith uh, coming up? And uh, uh, Sean Malone got a chance to play too. Uh, uh, What what did you think about those guys coming up and playing the college footballs?
0: I would have liked to have seen more of C.J. Smith for sure. I was pretty disappointed he only got two games, I think. There's definitely skill there, speed, which we can always use more of in in this organization – so I would have liked to have seen more of him and I his assist was very nice his first NHL point and he was the first position player ever to come from to come from Iowa so that was kind of cool too only the second player from Iowa in NHL history and the other was Scott Clements in a goalie uh, and then Sean Malone I think looked good he, I I think you could easily see him being a at least an AHL NHL type of tweener over time, I don't know if he's ever going to make a huge impact at the NHL level. But I thought it was cool he got a shot. Always cool to see players be able to play in their first game. And definitely some skill have, there.
1: I wonder if we ever played against him. He's from. He played for the West Seneca Wings. I hated those guys. He has to be. He's right around our age.
0: Uh maybe, maybe. I, I don't know. I feel like we would have probably remembered him, but
1: ah, uh, you know, back that back then you know all i remember to see in red going out on the ice <laughs> <laughs> and those yellow helmets from west seneca drove me freaking nuts I hated those guys <laughs> so basically if you had the puck and you were around me we were playing west seneca watch out
0: <laughs> <laughs> he was definitely a little younger than us too so yeah, i don't know if we would have that, been in the- if
1: he if he was that good he could he could be playing you know yeah, he would have
0: been three uh, years younger than us, though. I I believe. I think he's. I think he's in the class of 2013. But cool to see. Cool to see a hometown guy too.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's always nice. It's always nice. Uh, you know, it's a good story. Heart, heart, heart-wrenching stuff, right? This <laughs>
0: <laughs> heartwarming talk on the Saber Talk podcast.
1: Well, uh... Mark, uh, you got any uh, final points or anything else that we uh, missed on?
0: Um, I don't think so. I didn't really come in with a, with a plan, so I don't have a list to go back and look at anything that we may have missed. Yeah. Um, we can probably do another episode to, to fill another time, kind of do a player-by-player evaluation of this year, maybe do kind yeah. of a, a grading type of thing. Because a couple yeah. of guys I wanted to talk about, there was a lot of inconsistency from the team as a whole. Uh, I'd wanted to mention somebody like Jake McCabe. We had talked positively a lot about when you and I first started doing the show together and I think he kind of hit a wall and struggled down the stretch. So that was somebody. He played that, a lot of minutes Yeah, you can, you can you like can see that. the flashes and I still don't think he was ready for that type of workload. And I think he did well, all things considering. But uh, yeah, to be able to go through, I guess, in detail of each player would be pretty cool. But that would be a whole other episode.
1: Yeah, well, we we could uh, definitely do that next week. Um, we could also, you know, we could all, we could do that episode and then do another episode when they fire Dan Bilesma, hopefully. <laughs> we yeah. could do a Bilesma episode and, uh, you know, but we'll figure it out.
0: Um, yeah, we could do a full wh- coaching preview episode, do a little more research on some of the candidates out there. Cause I still, I've tried not to let myself get too optimistic and I haven't gone too over the top looking at all the, all the candidates out there for head coach. Yeah. So that would be a cool one probably to be able to go through all the options.
1: Um, one last question. One for the marbles. I'm am gonna let you know I didn't turn my TV on because so I didn't want any sound coming in my microphone. Toronto is beating Washington two to one. How many games does this series? How many games does this series go?
0: Uh, I think it's gonna go five. I bet Toronto ends up winning one of the games at home.
1: Yeah, they're, and they're up. They're up two to one with four four thirty left in the first period live 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 update for the listeners here
0: yeah we're we've had some live updates's been pretty good I don't think we we haven't done one during any games this year though so we haven't had to give any actual Sabres game updates but uh yeah yeah I still think i I don't think Washington's gonna sweep I think Toronto with adrenaline they'll they'll win a game on home ice but I think Washington's clearly the better team and especially i I just don't trust Toronto's defense. Whatsoever, to be able to hold up over an entire series against the Capitals.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things like Toronto's kind of like in the perfect situation right now. Like, they made playoffs, everyone's expecting them to lose, so they can go out there and lose and everyone's still going to be applauding them. So, you know, they're kind of in the perfect situation.
0: Yeah, there's nothing to lose at this point, and Washington's got all the pressure in the world on them, so I guess – you easily could see this this series going longer, and maybe Toronto really threatening them. I don't. I would never be willing to come across to saying that Toronto's going to win, but uh, maybe that happens. It's it's much easier to, to go out and win when you don't have any pressure on you.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I I'm gonna say I'm gonna say five games. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just just to be different. Four was my answer. I was hoping you were gonna say clean sweep.
0: Uh <laughs> so we both have uh, the same man. guess. So you know it's going to be 5 games.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it's going to go to game 7 now. Yeah. Um, Toronto's going to uh, oh. Toronto's going to sweep. Well whoa. whoa. Okay, so that <laughs> th- that being said, we have to wrap up this podcast right now. Uh thanks for listening. Uh Sabres fans out there, we're uh very excited about this uh even though the Sabres aren't in it. Mark and I are both excited about this playoff hockey, so we need to Turn off the computers and get the TVs on, and uh, crack open a cold one. Uh, I hope everyone else enjoys the postseason. You, we'll uh, talk to you before the first the, this next round. This first round's over for sure. So uh, thanks again.
0: Yep, thanks everybody, and talk to you again soon, Josh.
1: Yep, absolutely, Mark. Take care.